welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. It's too bad we had to cut off that really cool discussion about Avatar and anime and stuff. I know. Eric trying to spoil me. And speaking of Eric, trying trying to spoil me on Avatar The Last Airbender. And speaking of Eric, he's here right now. Chaozu, no! <laughs> I can't believe I'm learning how how low your anime literacy level is, and we're gonna need to bump those numbers up. We're you know set aside autumn of the Avatar into fall of the Full Metal Alchemist into like winter of Goku, and like we're just gonna keep rolling. <laughs> Get Mike in here; he'll do an emergency transfusion. Exactly. Me and Mike Wait. are going to do the fusion dance and become the greatest the anime guy. Fusion dance. Yeah. Um, is there something that starts with a W in Dragon Ball so that we can have, or an S? It starts with a W. Saiyan. Like it's summer, Saiyan summer. Yes, yes, summer of the Saiyans, you know. Super Saiyan summer. Oh my yeah. gosh. Super Saiyan it's summer. It's Super Saiyan summer. Well, we got our plans for next, next year. I just figured out next summer. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. But we Look already got to something it. for winter. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to Oh yeah, to we've it. got we've got winter booked already. We got something for that. We're also doing uh Lazember of Elward. So please look forward to that as well. Lazember. Lazember of, of Lesbian? What? Lazember <laughs> of Lesbians, everybody. <laughs> Sounds like Good a Scott news. Pilgrim fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. This week. We're going to be doing a mailbag, everybody. So we got a lot of questions. We'll be talking a lot about Live Alive and Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and what we've been playing. And we'll be taking your questions as well. So please look forward to that. Before we get to that, though, if you enjoy the show, thank you very much for your support. Please leave a review on the podcast of your choice. It brightens our day. Also helps the visibility of the podcast. You can do that over on Apple Podcasts. You can do it over on Spotify. Did you know that you can rate the podcast over Spotify? It makes me very, very happy. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia's at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at CMOSI, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. We're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where just this last week we released a special for our $5 patrons all about Toonamis, so getting a head start on Super Saiyan Summer. Uh, to check out all of that, we talked about Dragon Ball Z and Gundam Wing and Sailor Moon, and I finally let Eric wax poetic about Outlaw Star, and we were joined by our yeah. special bud, Henry Gilbert. Yeah, that was that was a great special. It was a good time. My husband's a big Outlaw Star fan, so there yes. you have a, you have a taste, companion. The There's two taste. of them. There's yeah, two of them. Out of hand. Now there are two of them. Um, (laughs) so yeah go check out that episode it's available exclusively to our five dollar patrons and of course um, we have the pantheon episode right now we're in the middle of our game club over on our discord for legend of hero trails in the sky which i've been really enjoying actually but that's been a great time and oh charlene dropouts is coming up next isn't it nadia uh yeah that's next week so it is going to be eric and uh, Victor and Mike and I, and we are going to be talking about Eric's Endwalker drama and probably how much he cried. You're going to talk about that, right? Uh, hmm. Well, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, okay. I don't know. I don't know about tears. I definitely I felt things about Endwalker. I think it's a very interesting expansion. I don't know 
that it beats Shadowbringers for me. But that's understandable because we'll, Shadowbringers was my first like emotional sort of expansion. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it. I have I have now that I've cooled off now that I've like come down from it. I have like various thoughts about Endwalker that I'm excited to kind of work through. And we'll probably also talk about 6.2 as well. So I should probably get 6.1 done at some point uh, so I can catch up on all that live letter stuff that dropped today. Yes, yes. Some cool stuff there. <laughs> well, you can check out that also at the $5 level, so lots of content at all the different levels. And finally, we have our Stars of Destiny with us, as always, who get access to our live show as well as our post show. And this week, we're joined by Teeps, Zixa, Better Call Soul Bad Guy. That's really good. <laughs> I really like that one. Beware the Slimes, Drew RWX, Cal L, Not Hollow, and Zoo Batman. Thank you so much your generous contributions keep the show going allow us to sit here and be really nerdy about rpgs allows eric to troll me all the time with anime spoilers <laughs> the way that he does patreon not spoiled you on a single thing yet <laughs> so much spoilers patreon.com slash blood pod okay it's time now to talk about what we have been playing our sacrifices to the blood god and I think for the most part, we've all been playing the same thing because it's a very long RPG. But Eric, you, you were checking out a little demo. Yeah, yeah. The folks at Square were nice enough to send over uh, the Dio Field demo ahead of when it went live earlier this week. Um, so that's the Dio Field Chronicle, which is a weird little game. Um, it is by it's from Landcars and Square. They're kind of working together on this. And I. I kind of struggled at first to describe what it is because I went in just knowing it's like a strategy RPG mm -hmm. and it was going for like real time. So I was like, okay, it's like real time with pause. Then is what we're looking at. Like, Oh, that's, that's, you know, novel is square doing real time with pause. It's really more of an RTS. It's, really? it's like an honest to God strategy game. It, it felt like halo wars at times the way it controlled, but instead of having big armies, uh, you have this party of four members that you are kind of rolling around the map with and you can pair them up Fire Emblem style once you start to, to grow that army a little bit. Um, the comparison points that people have pointed out since uh, are all much more obscure RPGs, so I felt better in not immediately knowing them because <laughs> I kept comparing it to Dawn of War 2 because that's the one that I always think of when I think of like an RTS with hero units. Uh, this is like, I think Rolancer was one that people had pointed out. I'm, I'm not too familiar with Rolancer, but FF12 Revenant Wings is another good um, oh, like, yeah. like point. It is a real-time strategy game uh, where you have this party and you're kind of roaming around taking on these objectives on this almost um, diorama level. Uh, I, I actually got to speak with the... Uh, development team. I don't have that piece live yet because it's been a very busy week, but um, hopefully by the time you're hearing this on the podcast, it's either up now or will be up soon. Um, and they they said that like paying homage to things like Tactics Ogre was very front of mind, um, right down to the fact that when you call in a summon like Bahamut, it zooms out and you can see the whole field like a kind of diorama and all that. Um, but it is kind of like, what if you took FF12 Revenant Wings, the battle system, and then like tacked the Garrick Mach Monastery like management mm. stuff into the right. background is kind of like the framing. But then the characters 
I describe them as like a meeting point between like Piltover from Arcane on the the League of Legends Netflix show. If you've seen like the style there, like me, imagine yeah. like Arcane meets Ivalice and you're like kind of in the ballpark. It's this world where they've got like modern magic, which is all science and stuff like that. But then there's also the ancient magic, which is the real magic. And it's it's really heavy. Uh, the story is really weirdly paced. I think that's my biggest knock against it. But the combat is fascinating. I'm like really intrigued by it because I think if this game had just been a turn based tactics game, it would have just completely gone in one ear and out the other. But you do so many cool things where you have like kind of four pillars like infantry, cavalry, archers slash ranged units and, and mages. Mages, you know, obviously do the magic, both the healing and the offensive magic. Your, your ranged units kind of employ various levels of long range fire and they can also do some cool stuff like one of my favorite moves was you could just tell an archer unit to fire down uh, a row like continuously and just like oh, rain cool. arrows on it so you could like create choke points um, infantry can kind of be your frontline unit whereas your cavalry is kind of your mobile flanking unit they can do a lot of like movement stuff and like shove people around on the field whereas like even in, in, in infantry, there was kind of like a bulkhead unit and then also like an assassin type unit. So you had like differentiation there. And it was just a really cool, interesting thing that I was playing it. And I was like, boy, I at first I was like, why is Square putting this out? They've got tactics coming out, uh, tactics ogre coming out like in November, I believe. And then triangle strategy already came out this year. There's, there's so many tactics. Front Mission believe... Remake is ostensibly going to happen. <laughs> I can't believe Fire Emblem isn't coming out in Advance Wars. Like, that would have just been... I know. The, I know. It would have been too much. Like, I would have been... That... You know, yeah. Well, we did have two tactics games delay into next year, we which we'll talk it's about true. later. It's true. But um, I was like, why is Square putting this out? There's so many tactics games. I even asked the, the developers. I was like, there's a lot of tactics games coming out right now. And they were very much like... Even when they started development, they knew like, hey there's like tactics games are like becoming more in vogue. We've got to do something that's a little bit different. And I think the real time strategy part really works for it. It makes it feel very different, makes it feel very fresh and and new and interesting. And that might not extend to it being a spectacular game the full way through. I think the story is still kind of a place where I'm like iffy. I like the characters. The characters are fun. They they all have ridiculous names like Andreas Rondarsson and Waltaquin Redich. Like just really oh, good. It's like those uh, the Japanese baseball games from the NES where they make up names and yes. just like yes. Ranger Danger or something like that. Exactly. I, I actually I wrote about this in my preview, but I like that they have the really long names because it means they all nicknameify each other. And I think that's really endearing when a when is party cute members when have that. nicknames for each other. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I don't think that was their intention, but even if it wasn't or if it was, that's smart. That's good writing. Uh, but the story itself is just a, a jumble of like, oh, there's there's this energy and and Dio field is at war and there's a state over there and a state over here. And it's they like give it to you in giant spoonfuls at like a brisk pace. And then they're like, OK, now go fight this battle map where you're breaking up a union. And I was like, OK, <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what does that have to do with what's going on? Something you'll find out later. Don't worry. Just go <laughs> and like um yeah, it's it's a really cool thing. I would encourage everyone who likes strategy and, and tactics games to go check that demo out. It's up on Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, PC. Um, it's neat. 
I think it's worth I really want to try a mouse and keyboard because I played a controller and I actually didn't think the controller controls were all that bad. They they were pretty all right. Um, they they do the Halo Wars all units, which is very important. Nobody says it, which bums me out. My favorite part about Halo Wars was hitting that button and hearing someone say all units, <laughs> <laughs> all units, all Come units. That's real time strategy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, strategy got have the bites. Yeah. Yeah, Dio Field's really fun. I think it's a good time. Oh. I think it's worth checking out. It is definitely on my radar. It kind of fits into that weird niche that I feel like Square is is building up now of like the double A RPG fall release because they had like voice of cards and dungeon encounters. And Dio Field feels like it's in that where it's like ex- it, it's experimental. It's a new IP. It's kind of off the beaten path. It's not the sort of thing you'd usually expect. It's got some neat twists and I like that Square is doing these. I like these games. They're fun. They're interesting. They're they're not the same thing we've always seen. And so I, I like to encourage that when I can. So yeah, That's go cool. check it out. And yes, we do need dungeon encounters too. That's very important. Uh, we need we need that ASAP. If we can just get everybody involved at Square on that, that'd be great. Thank you. I'd sell it for a Crimson Shroud too. Yeah, yeah. Make sequels to weird Square games. That's my I new agree. brand. <laughs> you should run in the presidency for that. <laughs> no, who the hell is this guy they're gonna raid my house and find the design docs for dungeon encounters too. <laughs> what the hell is a criminal shroud <laughs> is that healthcare why does he have 27 boxes worth of dungeon encounter 2 uh, design docs no idea well, he's just sentimental what what can I say yeah I think it's interesting that Square it seems like Square just has this giant backlog of middle middle tier uh rpgs mm-hmm. like little niche projects that they green light without realizing it and then go oh it's done i, I guess we should release this okay when we say yes to this yeah <laughs> we, we gotta stop we going out yes on thursday nights y'all deal field <laughs> chronicles is that what we're calling it a chronic well, hole that one kills me i swear it should be the dof Dio Field Chronicles, and it's the Dio Field Chronicle one, oh and that bothers the hell out of me. It's not Look, Final Fantasy Tactic. It Final was being lit at the local pub over drinks at like three in the morning. Exactly. And then they thought they thought I was being serious, and they just kept working on it. I don't know where they got the money, and here we are. The game's coming out, and it's at, at least a few people will enjoy playing this game. But I. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They include many acts of the Blood God listeners, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, Nadia, you're playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah, pretty much. I'm in Chapter 4. I'm stuck on a lot of side quests because it's very Mm. easy to get stuck on side quests in this game, and it is really just a fantastic game. I'm surprised Mm. at how good it is. Like, Of course, I'm the biggest Xenoblade Chronicles 2 defender in the universe, but even I could see, okay, this game has some problems. And I'm not saying all of them are ironed out for 3, but it was very much model the soft aging and gaining some sort of maturity that I think works really well for them. Or on the other hand, maybe it's just them getting back maturity because I've heard from a lot of people that um, I wouldn't know, but Xenoblade Chronicles 3 apparently has a lot of Xenosaga and a lot of Xenoblade, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, Xenogears. Not, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any like direct threads, so don't ask me, don't quote me on that one, but I'm hearing like thematically is very, very, very uh, uh, Xenogears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is wild how good this game is. It is like borderline a game of the year contender, in my opinion. Like, I think it is honestly one of the better games that's come out so far this year. 
Yeah, I really like the characters. I can't remember who said it. It might have been a Vlog Guy listener. It was on Twitter. And I really apologize that I don't remember you because this is a really brilliant line. Someone said the characters are all a polycule that are swapping clothes. And that's exactly <laughs> what it is, especially the swapping clothes. So you're saying two thruples just came together into Finally. one big unit. Uh-huh, and they're just uh-huh. traveling together now. Pretty one much. I is, mean, one of them's kind of a cat girl, likes wearing the ears, you know. It's a beautiful I mean, you're story. You're not going to tell you know? me that that uh, Mimi and Mio aren't already girlfriends. Like they are just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, just um, incredible together. And she's like Mimi. She never calls her like Mio. She calls Mimi. And then there's uh, Uni calling uh, Sarah. What's her name? The the, the buff girl, um, Senna. Oh, S- Senna. Yeah. Senna Se- love. Se- no, Sarah. Sarah. Oh, I'm, I'm no. gonna mess that up. It's Senna, isn't it? I yeah. think it's Senna. Like yeah. So yeah, that's a really great way to describe them all and. They're all very, very damaged children. I love them all very much. Even the Nopon. I like the Nopons this time. They're the kind of cute. This time. I like the, the cook Nopon who makes me dinner. Manana. Oh, like, Manana's great. Manana. I like Riku. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like how they go mad. I think they've sold me on Nopons. Yeah, they finally made Nopons a thing. Congratulations. <laughs> if there's nothing they else to take away, you did it. Riku might borderline be one of my favorite characters in the game because there's this whole segment where he is just all about like getting gemstones and stuff he's very much yeah. like it is duty duty of riku to do his job and he does it well <laughs> and i'm like this dude owns this guy's great i love him he's like so, he's he's like strict but he's not overbearing like he, he could have so easily have been a caricature and i think they like play his part just right like get it just we should actually I think the poll is done, so we should actually look and see who won the Nopon poll. No, the poll best Nopon poll. Yeah, that I, I thought I it was Riku. Into... It had to have been Riku. I, I, I'm, I'm looking now. now. So I know a lot of people Discord for Riku first. Yeah, so in the Discord, Riku and Manana won for Riku, best Riki, Nopon. Riki won the Twitter poll. Riki won the Twitter poll. Interesting. Yeah. Well, That's the Riku and Manana together. I would think Riku. I think Manana would have taken some of Riku's points. So, like, I think Riki's overall the winner. What I've learned is that nobody likes the Nopon from Xenoblade X. That I was didn't remember the, his the name until you told takeaway. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, Riku is a... You're right. He's a perfect thematic... Like, tonally, he's perfect because he's... You take you he's just enough of a badass to take him seriously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's not like people are mocking him or saying, "Oh, how cute fuzzy was you are." And he's mm-hmm. he's basically as a badass as he comes as he comes off. There's also a no pawn that you can find in the side quests of Chapter Three that Bam Bam. A uh, no, it's it's called Sea uh, Mimi, I think. Oh, I know Sea Mimi. Um, that was a, yeah, that was a sad quest actually. The, the no pawn that wants to become an offseer. And that is a very sweet little quest that you should find. It's in Colony 30, and you'll find it um, after you do, like, the Valdi stuff and all that. Yeah. You'll be able to go find it. Yeah, you should I did do that. that side quest. It's a good time. Yeah, um, there's also a Bam Bam and uh, the mm-hmm. kid he's with, and they're just, like, every time you come across them, they're in the middle of breaking shit, and you got to say, okay, we'll save you, and they move on. Mm-hmm. And then you find mm-hmm. them again, and they're probably half dead in a ditch. You're like, all right, I guess we got to fix mm-hmm. this again. He's, they're pretty funny. Uh, Kal-El is also correct that Uni is the best. Uni is actually probably one of my... Uh, Senna is like a top tier character for me, as is Tyon. And then like, Uni is like right under them. 
Uh, but the segment in chapter three with uni was like pulled straight out of Shadowbreakers. I was like, I'm really surprised they're getting this dark in Nintendo RPG. This is like a T rated game and it's surprisingly dark at times. It's uh, extremely, it starts dark and it doesn't get any lighter. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's even a scene. It's a very fleeting scene that doesn't really, the game story, to be honest, calls a lot of attention to itself, which is fine. It's all Japanese theater. But there's a very fleeting scene I thought was really well done where um, Noah and who uh, Mio are looking at a family of like, they're called Armus or like dinosaur cows. They're really cute. And they don't yes. really comprehend what yeah. a family is. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, they look like they're good friends or whatever. And it's just, it's a mom and a dad and a baby. They don't, that doesn't cross their minds. They never really, they don't know what that is. So I thought mm-hmm. that was really well done. Because they're all military people. Because they're all born they were, in tubes too. Born in tubes to raise to fight until oh. the ending and ending of the world or whatever. I had a yeah. question about this actually, because okay. I thought it was implied. And so maybe someone here can answer it for me or just like give me a vibe check on it. I thought there was an implication that they were kind of like a romantic when they were just like the, the two military kids because they have that whole like starship troopers scene where they're all in the bath and clearly like none of them care that they're like fully naked in front of each other, like arguing and stuff like lands and uni have that big argument and they're just completely naked <laughs> in front of each other. And there's like <laughs> no awkward awkwardness played off it. But then later on after they become Ouroboros, there is a scene where the they're getting changed into what becomes their like clothes that they're traveling around and they loot from the crates yeah. And the boys get visibly embarrassed and go somewhere else to change. And I was like, huh, that was interesting. That's mm-hmm. curious. Why is that happening? And so this is just a vibe check. But I think there is supposed to be an implied like, like an implication that they yeah, maybe loss of innocence theme, but definitely like the idea that maybe when they are under the flame clock, there is like. That is just not uh, a concern for them whatsoever. And then when right. things change, um, it it changes as well. But I haven't found any other romantic like side quests or anything in the game. Like definitely a lot of characters that care about each other, but nothing mm-hmm. that would imply any level of like romance or, or something like that. So I was curious about that. Well, no, I'll, you're right. I'll put a pin in that. I'll put a pin in that. Yeah, for sure. It might be something because I don't I have. I, I, you're right. I haven't seen anything that implies a normal romance but yeah something to look out for because i'm of course not anywhere near finished the game so Mm -hmm. it's it's such a wonderful game i'm just so surprised by how much i'm liking this i i knew that this was going to be the one i was going to jump on and give an honest try but i really do feel like that was the right choice number one like this is the one to jump in on if you have especially not been like roped in by the other xenoblades but also like it's so good it's just it if, if somebody walked up to me right now and was like, hey, I need an RPG for the Switch, I'm going to recommend Xenoblade oh, yeah. 3 without a second thought. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I would recommend it too. I, I can't think of many other RPGs that would top it. Maybe Three Houses, but even that's, you know, that's a tactics game, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. This one wanted, like, falls much more squarely into the kind of typical, it's a, it's a crowd pleaser. It's really pretty, great mm-hmm. music, uh, very anime, which mm-hmm. I think would appeal to a lot of people it, it's a it's a good showcase for the system not gonna lie mm-hmm. it is yeah 
yeah, I'm also playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I'm on chapter 2, so I'm not actually that far. I had, there was a big fight, and I was sure that that was the end of chapter 2, but no, actually, actually it was not. Um, but now I, and I keep uncovering new systems, and so it's like new tutorial, and I'm like, oh, okay, that doesn't end. <laughs> no, yeah, never tutorials stops. just keep on going, but I, I can cook, and one thing that I appreciate about this game and I love seeing this in a lot of games, is whenever you go into a camp, seeing the little animations of the characters doing random things. Um, Absolutely. I don't know all of the characters' names, but uh, the guy with the glasses. Um, Tyon. Uh, Tyon. Tyon with his little card buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that one of the characters was trying to catch the card. I was going mm-hmm. like, eh, eh, eh. And I'm just like, that's actually a very cute little. I know, sequence. yeah. The, he's doing that to Senna, I think, and Senna's not exactly the brightest, so he keeps like stomping her, and she just like looks like a dog who's had a tree taken away from her. <laughs> yes, no, exactly. And I, I think that those little bespoke animations add a lot mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. an individual game. Um, I so some of the bigger boss fights now, um, where there's so much happening on the screen, can be quite confusing. There's yeah. So many particle effects, and I'm actually switching between characters now all the time because I'm just basically going, okay, I need to get healing going. I need to get all of these different buffs and debuffs going and everything, like making sure that everybody's working together. Oh, like these two characters would be a good to combine into a mech to do things. So there's a lot to manage at any given moment, but because there's so many particle effects and like six characters all clumped together, all attacking at once. Um, it can get very confusing in many ways in that kind of I wonderful think, yeah. MMO way. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think since being a, a Final Fantasy XIV aficionado, I've, yeah, it helps a yeah. lot to keep things straight. But to be honest, the game's AI is quite good. Mm. I find that so far what I'm doing is, um, since I can switch classes, I'll, I like DPS. I've always liked DPS, so I stick to a DPS classes, and I let the AI handle the healing and the tanking. And usually I'm okay. Uh, I think you have a good strategy going on, Cat, where you say you switch between the the characters. I guess it's not a bad habit to get out of. So you're doing all right. You're you're keeping it together, and um, it's not. It it is very MMO like, but not as complicated as a an MMO RPG. I think at least not Final Fantasy fourteen, which is yeah. not really complicated to begin with. Because because no. you're at most dealing with like what six tools at your disposal at, at any time. You have like your auto attacks. You have your three basic abilities. And then your your fusion abilities that you get. Fusion. And even those, they like dole out to you over time. Yes, I, I don't think Kat even has fusion abilities yet. No, I um, do. Not yet. Oh, oh you do. Okay. 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 And sh- you get those in chapter two. Huh? I yeah, thought that was yeah, like a chapter three quite, thing you, for some You get reason. them quite early. Um, um, I, I think that the mechanics are very wide, but not very deep. So I exactly. found, I've found them. So there's a lot of them at any yeah. given moment, but... I don't find them especially sophisticated, so it's relatively easy to keep track of all of them. I do say that they, this game does a good job of having a punchy moments, I want to say. Um, mm, mm-hmm. Even if I think that the villain dialogue is very Saturday oh, morning it's so cartoon. so good. It's I'm like, so, so Zeno. <clears throat> Zeno period. Zeno blank. There's, a, there's yeah, your sure. bad guy dialogue. It's I'm very extra. You. It's very extra, yes. The, the the villain reveal when it happens in chapter three is is a 
banger moment. It's so good. It pays off so well that I am just like that that made up for all the other like cheesy villains that just like pop up and go away and stuff like that. There is a villain reveal in in chapter three that is chef kiss perfect. Oh, Um, I'm not disparaging it. You know, I'm not disparaging the fun of it and all like it has a personality. And I think I think that's good. You know, a game should have a personality. It also means that I have a harder time taking it seriously and taking the the stakes seriously because it's just like, okay, whatever. This is just like goofle joyfulness. Maybe that will change as I get into chapter three, where apparently there's a big turning point. Who can say? Who can say? I I mean, all I know is that a mech that was like 10 stories tall came rolling after my characters and they're like, ah! And then like oh, there's explosions I know exactly all around them. What part you're at. I know exactly I what just part like, you're at. Yeah. They're like, it's too accurate. I'm like, then why haven't they killed you like ten times over at this point? Seriously. <laughs> you're you're getting those. into some you're getting into some good stuff right here. You're gonna meet uh the character that I was calling Sword Mom last week. No, uh, um, Sword Mom. I, I ran into the <laughs> characters like uh General uh beatrix beatrice uh from final fantasy nine uh, oh she's the, oh. she's the sword mom she's ethel right yeah that's that's yeah. Sort of, yeah it's ethel she's got the dual blades yeah she's just general beatrice again and she's you know great. what that's great i like that sword she's... mommy you're right kal-el <laughs> no she's rigid she's not she, but there, there is a certain that's that that type like celeste yes and and everything yeah they all fit you into know that. what i'm and talking about that archetype just, just archetype. wait till you archetype. meet Gun Daddy. Trust me, this this game I goes places. I stumble on him by accident. I was just minding my own business, and, and Gun Daddy and comes Gun out of Daddy's nowhere. He's rolling by. He's <laughs> like, "Hey, how you doing? I'm gonna be joining your quest. All right, whatever." Can I and use then guns? he leaves, cementing yeah. himself as a true Gun Daddy. Um, yeah, no, it's it's so good. And I was gonna say that like the the complexity that I'm finding in the game is in mastering all these classes and getting all those abilities mastered for my different characters. So mm-hmm. then I can use them in fusion arts and create really cool combinations and and get my characters set up. And I'm finding it it's it's hitting that spot in my brain that Final Fantasy Tactics did where you would kind of create these units that would have like the right combinations of different classes right, to right. do cool things. Xenoblade is kind of doing that same thing for me where I'm like, I I only play Noah. I don't play anybody else. I only play Noah. Whatever oh, really? class Noah is, I play that class. Interesting. So right uh-huh. now I'm on Medic Gunner, which is actually a really fun class. I really, really like it. So I only um, play as Mio because Catgirl. I mean, come that's, on. That's, that's right fair. Choice. That's totally fair. But but also, like, I mean, she's my main. I'm running around the overworld as a character mm-hmm. character because mm-hmm. Mio. But yeah, it's Mio. Um, yeah. I mean, Nadia Mio's cute, right? Oh, she's adorable. She's yeah. yeah. Mimi. Exactly. Mimi. Um, and she has the best friendship with uh, my other favorite character, girl with blue blue fire hair. Um, yeah, Senna. That's yeah. Senna. Senna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mio and Senna. Like, they're, they're, they're the cannon ship for me. So. I love it when they you stop at a, a campsite and they, like, stretch together. They're just kind of pushing each other around to, to kind yeah. of build themselves up. It's really yeah, they're cute. great. Or when they were in the desert and Senna was like, poor Mio, I'm, I'm going to carry you through the desert. I'm going to carry you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I just got exactly. that, too. Let me know um, if you're getting by tired. By the way, this game looks incredible on Switch OLED. Oh my so god, good. on that it so does. Good. Holy crap! Mm. Like the colors are so good. Holy cow! I, um, I've noticed compensations like uh, when you have to, when it has to be done. Like the enemies in the distance have like five frames of animation, but that doesn't bother me as long as everything's running really great, which it is. So they really tapped into the Switch where they finally did it. Hooray! 
But I think that switching between the characters is pretty beneficial for the most part, just so that you can have as many abilities up and running as possible. Because if uh, if you switch, you will often find that a character will have all three abilities um, ready to go. So I'm just trying right. to make sure that nobody That's is on cooldown at any given moment. Yeah, I'm going to do that from now on. I'm going to switch around more. I've been just, like I said, sticking to DPS, and I should be more adventurous. And also... I'm just trying to get as many abilities as possible right now because it's a little Final Fantasy V in that respect. Oh, for sure. I'm, yeah. You know, mastering classes. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's weird. I'm only in chapter two and I already feel like I've mastered a lot. So I assume that pretty soon that's going to unlock more. Because mm -hmm. obviously, oh, this yeah. Game, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about that. I, I, I love yeah. running around a big open world as a cat girl doing quests. Also, cat, I don't like Final Fantasy XIV. Here's <laughs> okay, shade thrown, but also, <laughs> but also, Eric. Um, it's funny because there have been multiple times where I'm like, I sh why am I playing this game? I should put this game down. I'm not that invested in it, but it's it's got me just enough that I want to keep going. And every time I do pick it up, I'm like. I'm into this game. This is fun. Mm -hmm. I'm having a mm -hmm. good time. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like mm -hmm. one part of my brain's going, this is really stupid. And the other part of my brain is going, this is pretty fun. So I'm going to keep going. And I don't really have anything better to draw my attention except for uh, Trails in the Sky, which I'm also playing. And I'm also very invested in at the moment. So two good RPGs at the moment. <laughs> All right. That is it for what we are playing. It's time now for a series of random encounters. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Final Fantasy XIV's Island Sanctuary will be out August 23rd. Nightingale, Midnight Suns, Metal Slug Tactics, and Hogwarts Legacy have all been delayed. Dragon's Dogma producer Hiroyuki Kobayashi has left Capcom to join NetEase. A major Elden Ring patch has nerfed several popular strategies, buffed others, and introduced new quality of life improvements. And hey, great swords are better now. I'm super happy. Temtem 1.0 is headed to Switch on September 6th. I'm sure we'll be talking about that. Monster Hunter Sunbreak title up wait date one is here. And it brings with it Seizing Basil Juice and Lucent Nargakuga, Gold Rathian, and Silver Rathalos. That's a mouthful. Uh, Skyrim Modder has added Nemesis System to Skyrim, which is maybe the best use of the, the Nemesis System that I've seen. Yes. Uh, there's something wonderful called 
soccer story. It's an RPG. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's coming to PC and mobile and consoles. I'm going to play it, y'all. Mm-hmm. It yeah. looks terrific. It looks real might. good. It looks good. It's not related to Golf Story. It's its own thing. Um, but I, I love the vibes of it. And it actually does include a bit of soccer. Um, y'all, I'm in full <laughs> soccer so. sicko mode at the moment because <laughs> the Premier League started. I've, I've been watching the Bundesliga. I've, I watched the freaking championship uh, today uh, between freaking game between Watford and Burnley. Like, I, I have a disease at the moment. Um, I played some of the, uh, I've been playing FIFA again. I've picked up no. FIFA. Oh, it's no. happening. It's happening. Didn't you give that That's up? Like... Didn't you quit? No, FIFA. A, I've, I've, I've got it. It's, it's in my heart at the moment. So watch out. Um, and finally, Nadia went to the Final Fantasy New World concert. Tell us all about that, Nadia. Yes, I did. Um, this is uh, Square Enix sent me the, the ticket, so uh, thank you for that. But it was a very nice show. I it turns out I had seen it once before when I was at Otakon um, sometime before the plague, and they did a Distant World. They did a free concert for Distant Worlds, and they did another one for the New World. And the New World is basically uh, they call it intimate music, and of course, haha, I had to add the notes. That's funny. It's very like. It's a live performance of the softer music, like strings mostly. And it's the kind of thing where I remember last time I saw it, I said to my friend, oh, there's no way they can do One Winged Angel. We're safe. And then, of course, they break out One Winged Angel because, of course, they do a string version of it. But it was lovely. It was very relaxing. They actually, the conductor who was really funny, he says, like, how many of you like Final Fantasy XIV? There's a huge pop. Just everyone loses their mind because, of course, mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. So they played... Um, a new edition that wasn't there last time, of course. They did Crimson Sunset from Stormblood, the mm, te- basically mm. the the town music for nighttime. Um, yeah. It was it was really really nice, and yeah, I the conductor in particular, like I said, he was very funny, and I think that's great because if you've ever been to some of these like video game shows, I know for a fact that some of the some of the older people in the show get a little bit uppity about, hey, we're playing game music. Why are they making us play this music? Whereas the younger people are like, oh, this is so cool, because of course it is. So now he was like, you know, cracking jokes. And uh, at the very end, he says, uh, and now we're going to do something completely different. Oh, just kidding. It's going to be uh, One Winged Angel. Of course, he starts One Winged Angel. The <laughs> very, very last song is actually a Chocobo medley, which is just oh, heck yeah. bonkers, where he breaks out a slide whistle and everything. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would oh, wow. certainly recommend it. If you have like some extra time, some extra money, and it, it comes to your area, um, I think in Toronto, I can't remember where it was. It was some theater on Bloor, but it's a, it's a nice, cute little theater. I think Distant Worlds will be a Massey Hall because I'm, I'm so looking forward to going back to Distant Worlds, which started a new tour in Japan. Haven't announced any uh, Canadian shows yet, but they've announced a whole bunch of U.S. shows. So go see that. Go see the the New World concert. Basically, anytime. You have a live Square Enix concert. It's very good. It's like a Nintendo level. It's like going to a Zelda concert where they really work hard on the production and have a great selection and all of that. You can't go wrong. So, yeah, have fun. Do it. Yeah, I, I love one of those live concerts. I've been to a Zelda one. The and... Zelda one was great. Yeah, I've been to a few of them. Yeah. yeah. Though I think that it's a little more, we contracted a local orchestra and we're going to play along to some music on a screen. Uh, at least, mm-hmm. At least it was mm-hmm. in the Bay area. Cause you know, we went to some auditorium in San Jose and that's mm. what it was. So it wasn't amazing. It, it didn't have the kind of interaction, interactive elements and that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, from I, Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure which orchestra they use for the Toronto shows. I'm sure there's like professionals that can be, as you say, be contracted for it. 
true facts. This week's episode of Axe of the Blood God is brought to you by NordVPN. In Pokemon, use repels to stop random encounters because sometimes you just don't want monsters coming in to your computer and NordVPN helps that. That was a very tortured and wonderful comparison. But the point is NordVPN is very, very good. It uses wired guard VPN technology, multi-hop, split tunneling, and Tor connections in numerous service locations and MeshNet features. So many technological terms. But the point is, NordVPN, very good. And that's why we are letting them sponsor this week's episode of Axel Blood God. Yeah, I think my internet needs protection. My internet is dangerous and out there all alone on the high seas. And so I think going over to NordVPN and using Blood God, that is nordvpn.com slash bloodgod, to get a huge discount on my NordVPN plan sounds like a good idea. Let me tell you, friends of the show, I am a stranger in the northern wilds of Canada. And if you are like me, if you are a Canadian, you know how badly our streaming services suck. So NordVPN can let you get around that by letting you set your settings to whatever country you want. Therefore, uh, you are not restricted by the whims of the CRTC. Do it. Go ahead and level up your privacy by grabbing NordVPN. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus free threat protection, plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. But the top story, we already mentioned the delays. There have been a lot of delays, folks. Lots and lots of them. Um, specifically, we already mentioned Nightingale. Nightingale is maybe doing okay just because they wanted to upgrade to Unreal Engine mm-hmm. 5 rather than waiting. And that might be kind of the right call. Midnight Suns is in maybe a little more trouble. It's kind of hard to really say. Uh, Advance Wars, which is not an RPG, is just like totally M- MIA. And yeah, we don't nobody, know. Poor Advance Wars. <laughs> nobody drawer knows what's Nintendo headquarters somewhere. <laughs> Aww. It's next to Garrow, Mark of the Wolves 2. <laughs> uh, Hogwarts Legacy is just LMAO <laughs> and, and Metal Slug Tactics. Um, I mean, also mm. much smaller, smaller, but I mean, it got pushed into 2023, so... Another game we lost from the year of tactics, but what's going on, y'all? What's with all the delays? I just think uh, two things at work here, and it's not necessarily well. It's one good thing, one bad thing. Bad thing, COVID. You're we we are pretending that the pandemic mm-hmm. is over, and a lot of people are still getting sick, even if you're not dying. Like it's like you get COVID, you're out of commission for a while. Even a mild case can really flatten you. Mm-hmm. I mean, when's the last time you all had the flu? Like. I caught the flu. It was it was mild, but it still kicked my ass because it was the flu and I'm 40 years old. So people are probably calling out at work sick a lot. And that's fine. We have like a million games to play as it is. This God, this year we've had, we were just talking about Zulay Chronicles 3. We have Elden Ring. What more am I going to do as a JRPG fan? Come on here. That's, that's two games I can practically take. A- oh, and of course, Final Fantasy 14 is always having shit coming out that I can't keep mm-hmm. up with. So there is that. 
And I think it's also as crunch culture finally comes more and more to the fore, maybe companies are finally getting their, their you know, their act together and saying, okay, what is what are we going to do? Like rush this game into a holiday season where it's probably forgotten or take advantage of the fact that video games are pretty much a year long endeavor now and say, okay, well, we can't do it now. But hey, you know what? There's not much coming out in January. That might be a perfect time for us to finally make this debut for this smaller game. So if they actually are taking workers' health into account, I'm I'm for that. In fact, Rockstar, I think has been he- I've been hearing that there have been a lot of changes behind the scenes, so and they're mm-hmm. not really talking about it. Which on one hand, okay, that's good. That Nadia they're not is breaking about it. GTA Six news here on Axe of the Blood God. <laughs> Finally. IGN reporting scoops Oxford right here. <laughs> Finally got to get some work done around here, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's just what I'm hearing. Obviously, I have no idea if it's true or not. But uh, uh, yeah, but I, if that's the case and people are just like, hey, it's not worth killing ourselves for video games anymore. I'm OK with it. It's a little disappointing when a good game that you're really looking forward to is delayed. But and you also have to consider another thing that the console generation to me has barely started because nobody has a PlayStation 5. You can't go to Walmart and get a PlayStation 5. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, until you can do that and that and therefore developers stop releasing everything on PlayStation 4 and 5, then we can say, okay, this is a new generation. Mm. We're in the thick of it. That's not happening yet. It's a really slow generation because of COVID, because of supply issues. So I'm fine with that. Everyone just, just take a, a freaking break for a change. You, you rose a few points there that I want to like spend time on each one. But to the initial point you had about um, COVID and the impact, I think another impact of COVID is that a lot of teams are now working remote. And there are a lot yes. of studios that are now either fully remote or offer a lot of remote opportunities. And that's great. That's fantastic. It's really good for workers. It's really good for health. It's really good for parents. It's really good for a lot of people who would normally have trouble handling office for whatever reason now remote is available. But a lot of pipelines, a lot of development was not built to be done remote. A lot of video game work has not traditionally been done remote. And so there are studios that are popping up right now that are building around remote and and have remote in mind from the get go that are doing okay. But there are a lot of old studios that are trying to navigate how to do remote development in the pandemic right. and they they still are and i keep thinking back to a quote that was around 2020 i think maybe like end of 2020 i want to say i wrote about it for us gamer but maybe i wrote about it for gi biz that's like how i keep track of things in my <laughs> mind uh is what site was i writing for at the time um but phil spencer said something about like we it, it was very early pandemic and he was saying we we're only like we haven't begun to see that the actual ramifications of the pandemic. That's going to be like 20. I think he was saying like 2021, 2022 is when we're going to see the real effects. And hey, Phil, you're right. Like we yeah. are seeing we are seeing the effects of development being pushed back, of pipelines changing, of people functioning differently in the workplace on top of what Nadia pointed out about a shifting because of that move to remote. Now there's a lot more how do I want to say this? like worker agency. A lot of people became much more aware of the power they hold as a worker in a pandemic world. And that's why I think it has also encouraged a lot of labor organization, a lot of people being like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't be treated like garbage anymore. Maybe we need to organize if we want to have a legitimate seat at the table. The pandemic 
has like fundamentally changed development in a lot of ways. And I think we're still seeing that in terms of weird delays. The, the Midnight Suns one is really weird because they haven't put a date on it yet. They were just like, well, before the end of the fiscal year, I think before March 2020, end of March 2023, um, who who knows within that window, who could say? Mm. Um, and I I do think there's an element of that. But like you pointed out, there's also their financial quarters that they're going to want to meet. But yeah. that doesn't mean they necessarily have to hit a Christmas window like they used to, especially if they're not going to get the game out. Right. And nobody wants to be cyberpunk. Right. Nobody uh, wants to be cyberpunk. So <laughs> Q4 is the yeah. the beginning of the year is the new holiday. Right. It's like March is the new December. But in terms of Midnight Suns, uh, that was the second major delay for that game. And the last time we heard from it, they were doing a major retool. In a lot of ways, uh, it's becoming less of a tactics game and more of an RPG, it seems like. And I'm wondering how much pressure they're under to make this much more of a mass market thing in order to be able to recoup their costs, I suppose, because they have such an expensive license. I guess we'll see. Yeah, for sure. I hope it's good. I think it looks pretty fun. But my first thought when I saw it was that this is more Wasteland 3 than XCOM. Yeah, it looks very like an odd mix of we have slay the spire and we also have XCOM and we also have all these other things. And it, I I don't feel like I have a firm grasp of what that game looks like yet, but that doesn't mean I'm not interested, but you can't smooch the heroes. And I blame Marvel for that. (laughs) No, they're best friends. Marvel Marvel, stop hating romance. Canonically Wolverine is not in a relationship with your character. Look at the DC universe where they canonically reinforce that John Constantine and King shark were in a relationship. They give me the food I'm looking for and Marvel gives me nothing. All right. (laughs) I, I think midnight suns is trying to find its identity. I think Harry Potter Hogwarts legacy is maybe reflects the the technical side of where this generation is right now because i think technically speaking this generation is very unsettled at the mm-hmm, moment not sure. just because developers are in some ways maybe still trying to get a handle on the ps5 and the the xbox series x weird heard weird things about both consoles actually mm-hmm. but also you know the transition to unreal engine 5 is a real mm-hmm. thing at the moment, and I think that mm-hmm. is making things unsettled. There's this kind of attempt to realize what the the, the power of these consoles that is mixed in with um, everything that's been happening with uh, with the pandemic and everything. So I guess I'm not surprised that these games that are taking a really big swing, especially Hogwarts Legacy, which say what you want about it's pretty much pretty problematic uh, everything but it mm-hmm. from a technical standpoint i think it wants to be a big deal wb mm-hmm. is pushing it hard yeah 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 for sure for sure it is like a massive property that has a very two online joanne at the top <laughs> and, um that's yeah. yeah you know it's don't you love it when creators can't stop tweeting huh <laughs> and that that is kind of the bummer because I do feel for folks that work there and like have to like yeah they they want to make a really cool sick wizard RPG. I imagine there's not any ill intent by somebody who's designing how to do a Patronus in that game, but they they're dealing with a lot of crap on top of it. 
Yeah, I, I sympathize with that too. But aren't, don't they also have like a storyline where the Jew coded goblins are stealing children from Hogwarts? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh. that was that was <laughs> the moment fun. where I was like, I wonder how they're going to deal with some of the stuff in Harry Potter that isn't so great. And yeah, they didn't. You know, what we should tackle on head on goblins. Goblins. <laughs> you know, we should put those front and center. We should make the creatures the bad guys because in Harry Potter it wasn't oh. good that we had humans be bad guys. I wonder if they just don't yeah. want to like kill people on screen because they don't want to get an mm. M rating. That's this is the galaxy brain right here. They don't want to like kill humans oh. on screen or have them in danger because that Especially might endanger children. the rating. You really can't yeah. kill children in video games. Because <laughs> that was that was a big deal with like when you get into later Harry Potter books, they started like courting with like PG-13 ratings and stuff. And so now all of a sudden, like the little kids can't go see Goblet of Fire because uh, freaking dude from Twilight gets murked at the end. <laughs> like, Isn't Cedric his name? Cedric, I, mean, yeah. I call him Edward because of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, Edward. Robert, Pat- Robert Pattinson, who was the Batman got his start that in some is ways not is... his most popular role <laughs> let's be real he's here. a i'd love to have him on no. the show he's a major weeb like i'm pretty sure it's confirmed Robert he likes Pattinson? rpgs and stuff like that he, yeah. he's also a big fan of mushishi which to me if you're a fan of mushishi you're already a friend of mine i mean if we're talking about twilight here kristen stewart is like my fave i mean oh, she's great rated still actress, my heart honestly oh my gosh she's a, my underrated she yeah she's just yeah. like i like girls Okay, Kristen Stewart, I like you too. <laughs> you are valid. Um, better call Soul Bad Guy in the comments says, I think Unreal Engine 5 is one of the biggest generational leaps we've seen in a while and sort mm-hmm. of underscores how the consoles aren't necessarily the delimiter of generations anymore. It's all about the engines and the tools. And I I completely agree. We've all been kind of biding our time waiting for Unreal Engine 5 to finally be shall we say uh big uh i know over at my day job um anything to do with unreal engine 5 invariably gets a lot of interest there's a lot of interest from our audience at least about what is going on with the this tool set is this the major generational leap because in some ways yes the ps5 and the xbox series x you know going 120 fps is really nice but so the game's so far feel a lot like they did last generation a lot because they're you know they're developing for ps4 and x and xbox one tech in many ways so i I think we're all kind of waiting still even though we're year two technically so yeah and the screens they're working with i mean i've thought about this a lot because i have a bunch of 1080p monitors i haven't got a 4k here and i'll use a 4k on the tv that has a playstation 5 plugged into it And I wonder how many people even have TVs that can do high resolution or even high resolution and high frame rate, because that's another thing. That's a thing now. Frame rate, especially is something that like TV has never really pushed. And granted, like gaming is pushing a lot of that tech in ways now. But I don't know when when I think about like the future of this tech and, and the way it's going, I keep looking at stuff like Game Pass and and cloud streaming and some of the stuff I've been seeing around TVs having built in like Game Pass apps and stuff like that. So you can just boot it up from the TV and not even have to have something plugged into it. And I'm going like, that's that's intriguing. Like that's where I'm looking for stuff. Granted, Internet infrastructure is not great everywhere, but like Unreal Engine 5 could be really, really cool. Could blow my mind. That Matrix demo was kind of sick, but um we haven't had like the thing yet for me. 
maybe right, CD right. Project Red is working on that right now. Who knows? The next Witcher game on Unreal I'm just 5. Not, I'm just not sold on cloud gaming. Or shall we say, I am sold on its mass market potential because I think a lot of people won't care about input delay or nor notice it. But speaking as a hobbyist, which I am, I you, I would never play a, a cloud cloud game, especially not a game. I, I I feel the input delay too much. I buy my TV around mm-hmm. the notion of limiting cloud delay. So so I am in that boat with you, where I don't want to play Street Fighter on cloud or anything like that. But I keep looking at the stuff that Xbox has been putting on Game Pass stuff, especially that's like As Dusk Falls and um, 12 Minutes, kind of like very Annapurna type games. Uh, I think Immortality at the end of the month is going to be a Game Pass game as well. And I look at those and I'm like, those are games that you could really easily pitch to somebody who is maybe not a gamer, but is like, Oh, so you mean it's like a prestige TV show, but I make choices and stuff and that adapts to it. Like like the quarry falls in the same. I don't think that's on. That's not on Game Pass, but um, like those types of games, I think make a lot of sense for cloud because it's something that you boot up, you play over the weekend, you played at your friend's house. You don't want to have to go like buy a copy, bring a console over, get all that set up. You just want to boot the TV up and play some some fun game about kids running away from slashers in the woods and stuff like that. And that's uh that's like what interests me about it. Like imagine if you could just on any TV boot up Jackbox, you don't have to plug in a Nintendo mm-hmm. switch or a PlayStation anymore to boot Jackbox up. You can just do it off of the TV. So now are that's we already practically there. <laughs> right. But that's what I'm saying is yeah. once that step happens, that's really cool tech in the same way that like you used to need set top boxes for stuff like Netflix and things like that. And now all the TVs you buy have Netflix built into them as an app. They're just like cut out the Roku, yeah. cut out the fire stick, just put it directly in the TV. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I mean, I think there's a lot of unanswered questions. I do think that the fall will be fine. I mean, we the game that this fall is going to be anchored by Pokemon. And it's going to be anchored Absolutely. by God of War, you know, yeah. and those and Call of Duty if you're into that. We're not. That's yeah. why we host this podcast. So <laughs> that's why we're here. Hi, kids. Hi. Mm, not anymore. Wait, but what? 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 Yeah, I know. So you kind of yeah. you kind of dropped Co- uh, Call of Duty, Eric. Yeah, the last one I really liked was 2019. Katie and I both got really into that one. Um, mm. But I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was there was one of the 24 seven streams that we did where there was a whole segment where it was the middle of the night, and I think it was just like me katie and Hiran playing call of duty for like an hour and just like <laughs> blasting stuff uh but i haven't liked many of the call of duty since and i'm really more of if i'm gonna play a shooter now overwatch 2 is actually looking pretty good i That's played right. the beta and i liked it and um i've booted up halo infinite a couple times my irl friends like to play halo so i played with them and that's not a bad time these days dragon balls um, coming to fortnite yeah, hey. so then I can play Goku in Fortnite, you know, and and just live. I want Piccolo in Fortnite. That's who I really want. Yeah, I, I, I want, want the dragon. I want the, the eternal armor. dragon in there. Shenron. Oh. I hope they put Shenron in there. Shenron. Hey, I you win. know who won't be there is Chaozu because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. All systems, Goku. All right, <laughs> it's time now to move on to the next segment. Yeah, 
We're doing a mailbag this week, folks. Yep, we're taking a little easy. It's the middle of the summer, dog days of summer, and we wanted to hear from all of y'all about how what you've been playing, what you your thoughts in the current gaming landscape, RPG landscape, and of course to share questions with us. So let's just get right started. We'll start off with Nightingale, who asks question that's been on my mind for a while, especially in the context of RPGs, what's the problem with the long game? Obviously, I conceptually understand that free time is concern for everyone. A lot of stuff comes out. One of the reasons I've always gravitated toward RPGs is because I like to get fully steeped in a setting and world or a world more broadly, which is something that only games really do well. A long game gives all those elements room to breathe. So I've never quite understood the criticism that something's going to take a while. Relatedly, what is the right length for an RPG today? I have an answer to this. Yes. Okay. It's a two-part. It's a two-part statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I care less about a game being long than I care about it being poorly paced. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I would rather an RPG be like 25 hours of main story, but mm-hmm. just have all of the stuff that they would normally use to pad out the the plot and everything i would rather that all be optional just like mm, you want to mm-hmm. you want are you really interested in this character are you really interested in this arc are you really interested to know this story beat mm-hmm. do you want to get the best ending well okay here's all this extra stuff or you can just play it be done in 25 hours whatever like enjoy it i i think that is the way that you can um find meet me halfway meet me in the mm-hmm. middle right because i think too many games they're really long because they're padded out in some way and that kind of padding aggravates me i just want to say i don't have a problem with big games i always felt most comfortable with them i always like returning to them like an old book or whatever uh i can sense when a game is padded out so cat i completely understand where you're coming from there but i'm also the kind of person who appreciates that kind of dumb stuff as long as it's off to the side and i can decide whether or not to pursue it like i think xenoblade chronicles 3 to go back to that does a really great job with its side quests and giving you an idea from the start what's worth going after and what you know you shouldn't really bother if you don't really Mm -hmm. care that much so Mm -hmm. that's really good i like the games that that give you that option but um when i think of a perfectly paced game perfectly paced rpg i think a chrono trigger because of course i do and i would say when i first bought that as a kid it took me like 30 hours to get the best ending that is getting all the side quests in the second half of the game and everything like that and i would say maybe just a little bit longer simply because there was that major unanswered thread with shala and the ocean palace and what happened there so i would have liked to see resolution to that that wasn't really depressing like they did in chrono cross but Otherwise, like to me, that is pretty outstanding for an RPG length. Same, I suppose, goes for Final Fantasy VI, which puts agency in your hands in the second half of the game. Once you get the airship, which you can get quite early on in the world of Ruin, you if you are that good, you can finish the game mm-hmm. right then and there. Mm-hmm. But the idea is to search the world and find your friends, at least as many as you need, to take down Kefka. And I think that's leaving the option in the player's hands, especially since recruiting some characters is harder than recruiting others. That's a good option as well. So I'm pro-long game, but there are ways definitely to make it feel more compact. 
Yeah, I think my my answer would be number one, my issue with long games, which I do have an issue with long games is is a me issue because I like to play what's new. I like to be like right. in, in the conversation. I like to be able to talk knowledgeably. And part of that is like my job that helps with my job a lot. But also like I just like being able to discuss whatever is the topic at hand, um, have having like good knowledge of, of stuff that is current. Um, and so that makes it difficult for me because if a game's really long and I can't like reasonably get through it in a short amount of time, that means I'm probably going to end up dropping it and coming back to it when I have a lull. And that's really difficult in some games. The Witcher yeah. 3 is a big offender in this way. I dropped it because um, I had finished it. And then when I came back for Heart of Stone, uh, I just was lost. I could mm-hmm. not remember how to play that game at all. And it, it does nothing to tell you how to play it again. Uh, so I... I think that's my big problem and and I'm trying to fix that with some games. I'm trying to take my time with games now. I'm trying to be like cool with, you know, Xenoblade is kind of my like, you know, hour or two a night that I go to before I go to sleep. And that's like a good mm-hmm. way to like kind of chill down and get really involved or get like overly involved and stay up for like six hours. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think for me, an RPG can strike a good level, you know, like either be in that 20 hour range and be real concise and short and solid, something like an Omori or whatever, or right. be like 120 hours and just give me everything like a final fantasy 14 or a Xenoblade three. But a game, one of the only RPGs I've replayed more than once or twice is final fantasy 10, which I've beaten probably like six times at this point. Um, and I like that because it moves, because it's got a pace to it. You know, you, you boot it up and you're pretty much just on the railroad the whole way. And some might see that as a flaw. To me, I'm like, I boot this thing up. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. Let's get on the rails. Let's go. Let's go. Let's roll. Let's go. This train ain't stopping. There's- yeah, yeah. There's there's a giant dad out there that we got to deal with. <laughs> Dragon Quest Eleven has the perfect solution, which is up to the minute oh, what you yes. are doing. When you turn it's on that so game, here's good. what happened. Holy crap! I'm back into yes. it. Yes, yes. I put, agree. I, I I got right into Dragon Quest Eleven again when I re- when I got back into it. Like when I played it for the Pantheon. Oh, I know exactly where I am. Thank you very yeah. much, game. That's all I want. Uh, think, Give me that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like as opposed to just turning on, and being like, "Who are you? What's going on?" Yeah. Yeah. Uh, AI yeah. the Somnium Vols, which is not an RPG, but Nirvana Initiative is one of the best games that's come out so far this year. And it has that feature as well, where every time you boot it up, it's like previously on and, and yeah. it gives you the whole rundown. And I love that. That's so good. Even if I know what happened, I'm like, oh, right. I remember that. That was and, wild. Right. That and, in that res- and in that respect, it's a little bit like opening up your favorite book um, yes. with, a, mm-hmm. yes. uh, with a bookmark and being like, OK, settled in, like just mm-hmm. chill out and read. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Dragon Quest Eleven did a great job, and as Zubat Manbach pointed out, freaking Pokemon Fire Red did that. Yeah. Which yeah. Uh, oh really? Yeah. 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 It would show like the last three things that you did, though it would usually be like deposited a thing in the po- in the Pokedex, <laughs> deposited a thing in the computer, deposited a thing in the PC. I'm like, thank you. Yes, oh, I did shit, do thank that. You. Very mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I probably did that. Thanks. <laughs> what did I put in the PC again? <laughs> All right, a Pokeball. I put gum in here. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, peanut butter. Why? <laughs> it's always peanut butter. <laughs> Zalesium wants to know, Ari Live Alive, how do you feel about the short story anthology format? 
But you think more games should use that kind of structure, i.e. 13 Sentinels, Odin Sphere, and to a lesser extent, Saga Frontier come to mind as well. No, I don't like the short story <laughs> anthology format, actually. I think it works you, with <laughs> Live Alive has a, uh, I think Live, it works well with Live Alive because Live Alive is quite experimental and fun. But I much prefer, I, I suppose, a, I, I think it can make the story feel too fragmented and it makes That's me hard fair. to get invested in any one of the stories if it is kind of broken into a handful of smaller segments. So uh, in terms of RPGs, I'm I'm less in on it. Um, Nada, you can speak to this. Uh, Dragon Quest IV kind of did it, the anthology approach, right? Yes. And to be honest, Dragon Quest IV was never one of my favorites. And that's one of the reasons why. I just, it, it's certainly a great game. But after playing Dragon Quest III, which is a huge, cohesive story, and then being like, okay, now we're, you get really settled into one storyline, then it's like, all of a sudden, we're going to Kingdom so-and-so and Kingdom so-and-so. It's like, oh, well, I'll get used to this, but it's, it's a bit jarring, isn't it? So it can be, it certainly can be done. 13 Sentinels was brilliant. Odin mm-hmm. Sphere, I think, yeah. worked really yeah. well as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to, you do have to give me that that thread to chase that tells me, okay, this is all going to link up in a meaningful way, I swear to God. So that's my requirement, basically. I prefer the longer stories, but chapter-wise, if you do it right, you do it right. Yeah, yeah. For anthology stuff, I just want to see it like be used interestingly. And I don't think I see enough games use it interestingly, to be honest. I think too many games get too episodic, and that's why I kind of like Live Alive, is it feels very separate like disparate i i like that those tales all feel very far apart and there is something that connects them but like that's not the driving goal that's like the cool thing that happens Mm -hmm. and i think it's really easy to fall into a trap where you write a story that really could have just been a sequential story but you just told it a little bit differently it doesn't like benefit from that storytelling structure in any way uh her story is a game that I think of as almost anthological because of the way you worm your way through it and find different things. And I, I think that does some cool stuff there. So Shonen Sentai says, with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet on the way, which Pokemon would you like to get new regional forms? They can't wait for Muddy Quagsire. I, <laughs> okay, I'm going to pick an unlikely candidate. I really stand Mawile from Pokemon. Oh, Mawile's great. What a great okay. design. Okay. Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire. And it's just, if I recall correctly, pure steel type. It's kind of a throwaway Pokemon from the original, uh, from Gen 3. Uh, it got a mega form in Gen 6, which yeah. was kind of an upset. And it became this uh, Aubrey 2 Little Shop of Horrors kind of situation. I loved it. I ended up mm-hmm. using it. It was really fun to use, actually. Quite quite devastating because you could use um, this move called Sucker Punch and basically kill enemies before they could even move. Very fun. But um, but now Mega Evolutions have gone away, so Mobile isn't really all that useful anymore. I would love a regional variant that could make Mobile run, dance, and sing again, right? Without having to resort <laughs> to uh, a pure evolution. I don't... I, I think the best way to do that potentially is to beef up its stats and then to find mm-hmm. a, um, a a different type. Uh, to wit, I use Heatran a lot because I like uh, Fire oh, Steel yeah, yeah. a fair amount. Oh, yeah. So if, yeah, Heatran's awesome. If you make it Fire Steel, 
and then you give it a cool ability. I would like a regional variant like that. So Mawile's my pick. Y'all have a... Nada, you're going to say Arcanine, aren't you? We, I mean, just, it's always, we just got a growl we just got an Arcanine, Arcanine though. That's the yeah. thing. So I could say, okay, uh, I don't need an Arcanine. But it's about time. We did something cool with Dragonite. Dragonite yes. was so mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. in the OG. This was on Resetera. This was on mm-hmm. Resetera. Yeah. You saw it on Resetera. <laughs> no, I swear to God I didn't. Because I've just I've been all angry all my life since Pokemon got color. That even shiny Dragonite is like ugly ass green and not like adorable love, pink are you that, kidding me that green's great that I green's love... disgusting it looks like someone no. threw up on throw up it's just uh <laughs> i like that color i'm sorry it's the dark uh, not rich green oh wow okay well, it's a either way green <laughs> dragonite's always been very <laughs> unlike uh dratini and uh dragonair and i've always just wanted something a little more cohesive to that line i think it'd be mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. i think i'd like to see that I, I I agree, actually. Um, and also, okay, so Dragonite over the years has managed to kind of hold its own a little bit and at various points has become popular or risen in usage in various Pokemon mm-hmm. games, but especially recently has been left behind a bit. So I mm-hmm. think this For is sure. a great opportunity to bring back one of the OGs and mm-hmm. uh, definitely find an interesting thing to do with it because i think dragonite does still retain remain quite popular when mm-hmm. i first saw galarian Nelth, i was actually playing um sword and shield before everyone else they had the preview copy i lost my mind i said what the hell am i looking at that was terrifying just so you all know mm-hmm. uh i would like kangaskhan i i yeah i like I yeah. like when they take the kind of like the the original 150 Pokemon that didn't really get like evolutions and stuff and kind of just got left on an island for a while. I like it when they turn those into variants like Kangaskhan would be top of my list. Farfetch'd would have been if we didn't get the Galarian Farfetch'd that we did, which is Surfetch'd, and he is quite fetching and I love him. I He's love Surfetch. He's great. Surfetched. Um, I trained up a Surfetch'd and I named it Zlatan and it was good. But there are so many like Marowak could get a really cool one. And Cubone and Marowak would be a fun one. Uh, I think Nita King and Nita Queen. I love Nita King and Nita Queen. Like that always been one of my favorites. They're not like they're not immediately visually like I get them mixed up with Rhydon and stuff like that all the time. And I would love to see some of those get like a nice visual refresh that would really like make them appealing again there are so many like i think gen one pokemon that could just use the visual refresh Mm -hmm. like a tauros or a kabutops or something like that that you could just really get creative with and have some fun with i want to point out by the way that kangaskhan also got a mega evolution during uh, the baby gets out of the pouch it's like you're gonna that's how you know you're you're gonna get your ass beat is when the baby comes out of the pouch just and he got a problem Mega Kegascon was one of the strongest Mega Evolutions as well. I'm going to level with y'all. I want them to bring back Mega Evolutions. I didn't Mm, really mm. care for it that much back in Gen 6, but I miss my boy Mega Charizard X. Mega Charizard X is amazing. Okay, Mega Charizard is sick. Yes, I agree. kind (laughs) of ruled, and I made it make him a while. I thought the the rules of like, okay, but you get one worked pretty mm-hmm. well i thought it worked better than the super moves from mm-hmm. gen 7 mm-hmm. i thought it worked way better than dynamaxing and i don't like the freaking crystal forms i think they look stupid no, no. i just do <laughs> i love them they're so tacky oh, i hate it it's like going into a really bad antique store and just, that's what it's makes all it real fun. crystal this pokemon's real crystal no i just don't want it um 
But Muddy Quakesar sounds like a great idea. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Uh, Tima B says um, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 favorite classes among the hosts so far slash favorite guest hero character. I don't know whether I'm loving it better than Arise for that, that it's in handheld form, but any future anime JRPGs should take note in this game. They also said that they and their boyfriend heard me lose my mind on NBC and get into it with Reb over Final (laughs) Fantasy 7. How do you fight with Reb? She wouldn't say anything bad about a Balrog. Okay, this is what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened. Uh, Somehow... Final Fantasy VII Remake came out unbidden. Somehow. Seth, I didn't bring it up. Seth, <laughs> Seth Macy starts talking about it and then like was throwing shade at the ending. And I was like, I wasn't saying anything. And not. And Reb goes, what? We're throwing shade at Final Fantasy VII Remake's ending now? And then the evil cat emerged. And I was like, hell Yeah. <laughs> It's got that like Kill Bill music like playing in the background, like the. (laughs) (laughs) And she like I said my thing, she said her thing, and I was like, we could get into this a lot more, but like it's neither here nor there. This is fine. (laughs) Gonna move on. I'm moving on. I promise. We're all looking for the person who did this. (laughs) And then at a certain point. I think Seth goes, oh, you know what? I would really love a Final Fantasy IX remake. And I'm like, you're right. And then also we should completely change the story and get mm-hmm. rid of everything mm-hmm. that made it charming originally. And I just could not help myself. So <laughs> I, sorry, Reb. But it's Final Fantasy VII. Uh, that was a moment. Go check out NBC. Hear it in real time. But uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 favorite classes. Uh I think Eric, you were saying earlier that you only play as Noah, and which uh, which class do you play as? Oh no! So I, I bounce around the classes as Noah because mm. um, obviously I want him to get all change the class, folks. Oh, you said you were a always gunner recently. Class. Yeah, that was my most recent one that I was leveling him on because I wanted the my optic screen ability that I could like fusion art onto other stuff. I think my favorite class design that i've seen so far my favorite guest hero so far is alexandria she's the you can run into her really early on but she's super overpowered and super over leveled and you have to like take out her lieutenants around the map it's really cool it's a cool quest design and she the character is also very cool too Mm -hmm. um i like just finished that quest the other night it was very very worth it um but my favorite class design is the yum smith which is when you get in the course of chapter three, which I will not say who you get it from, but it's like this really cool design of being like a kind of like a combat, but like area control combat. You have like a move where you can put down an AOE that does AOE damage to enemies. It's about doing like kind of status effects while also doing a lot of damage in the process. So you kind of feel like you're getting engaged with all the parts of the game all at once i feel like too often when i was playing like the fencer class that you get from uh sword mommy 
uh, I was like just Please raw don't damage. Color all that. The time. For God's sake. <laughs> well, now he's gonna do it every time. And now I'm gonna do it every time. Uh, that you get from Ethel. Uh, God, Ethel. Uh, That's my aunt's name. My great aunt was named Ethel. Yeah, yeah. Nadia's great aunt gave me the fencer class. <laughs> Fred and, and uh, Ethel. <laughs> uh, that one was like just raw damage, and like medic gunner is kind of neat, but is a lot of healing. But I find like Yum Smith is a really cool mixture of a lot of abilities and stuff i'm really enjoying every time i get a chance to use that class i, I told am... amy i told amy that what's keeping me playing xenoblade chronicles 3 is that you can be a cat girl with a giant hammer so there we go ogre mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ogre's ogre, a great class yeah. i um shoot well, i can't remember the name of it but it's the class you get from zeon and it's like a, a kind oh, of a it's like a paladin type class right paladin type class yeah so that yeah. one's pretty good and i also fun got i also i can't remember the name of that one but there's like gun daddy's quest uh, yeah gun role. daddy's class is that's so cool a great one. i'm using that right now and i'm like oh this is so stupid i love it it's completely I, useless it's great i put it on uni and like got into a battle immediately afterwards and it was like just a normal fight and then all of a sudden uni starts doing cables super from marvel versus capcom <laughs> yes. 2 over on the side like she's just straight up like hyper viper beam and i'm like what what the fuck is going on <laughs> Like, she's it's just great. like i've leveled up and i'm like okay go for it i this, love that this uni who got the uni is the one who got the the class can you tell me quickly how inheriting classes works if you don't if you're not the one to inherit it originally how do people get the class unlocked for their so, own character so the way it works is like one person gets it right away right and then they all kind of learn classes from each other. So you'll have like, they'll all kind of gain aptitude and eventually unlock the ability to switch to that class themselves. Mm -hmm. You'll gain more aptitude in combat if you have more people using that class. So frequently Ah. I will, if I'm just doing quests that aren't related to stuff, I will have someone in the party that is a class that I want to like, to disseminate out to the party in general and then i'll also have somebody else like usually the inheritor on that class as well so it's like uh-huh. doubled up and so that's how i've like quickly gotten stuff like um the the gun medic and the the gun daddy and the the fencer your great aunt um out to all the different characters pretty fast right so it really is a polycule holy shit yeah 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 <laughs> Spyrus wants to know, what video game map do you know better than your own city? Mm, that's a good question. I It's easy for me. Final Fantasy VI, both of them. World mm-hmm. of Ruin and World of uh, uh, Balance. Secret of Mana comes close, though. I actually know San Francisco really well. so <laughs> I don't know San Toronto Francis- very well. <laughs> San Francisco is quite... Do. The San Francisco itself is quite small, actually, because it um it's only like a 7x7 seven seven grid. For the most part, you can. Act, I've mm-hmm. done beta breakers, and I've actually run from the Embarcadero all the way down to Ocean Beach through Golden Gate Park. So, if you, yeah. I think that I could probably find myself to almost any part without too much trouble because it's it's a very straightforward city. You having said Toronto, all that, you'll die. <laughs> <laughs> having said all of that, um, I feel like I probably know Kanto from Pokemon mm-hmm. Red and Blue sure. better than almost anything uh maybe even better than san francisco because i put hundreds upon hundreds of hours um into that game it's one of my favorite live games. in canto it's a, it's a relatively I, I i don't know i would love to live in canto because if i do then it would be like i would be living in an autonomous collective uh with mm-hmm. a gym leader as kind of the community leader 
and mm-hmm. ostensibly free from the I would have Pokemon making my life better. The mm-hmm. Pokemon sold for capitalism. It's great. So that's I wouldn't great. mind. Yeah, I wouldn't mind living there. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's my answer because a lot of these other maps are quite a bit bigger, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, another example, actually, this is a little different. When I was playing The World Ends With You, I was commuting yeah. through Shibuya at the time and I hung out in Shibuya mm. a lot. So that I knew... I knew the world end, ends with you's map really well, just because it aligned actually very well with the mm-hmm. real life mm-hmm. version of Shibuya. And it was great. It was great. Like it really, that was what made me love that game the most at the time mm-hmm. is that it put me in the moment. And actually I kind of want to go back and play it again now because it's like a throwback to 2007. How wonderful. How about you, Eric? I think I, for a while I would have said the Island from Link's Awakening. Uh, that I know that one pretty darn well, but it's been a hot minute since I replayed it. So I think I'm going to go with like Camarocho is, is one that mm. uh, over the years of playing Yakuza, you just, I, first of all, I think it's one of the best settings in any video game ever because they do so much with it and, and make it so much of a part of what that game is and seeing it evolve over time. Uh, and it does make me a little bit sad that you don't get to see it that often in like a dragon, but uh yeah especially like yakuza zero camarocho i know super well um and then judgment and stuff like that uh and then maybe i feel like if given a solid 30 minutes i could draw the entirety of final fantasy 10 i could just like do the entire road and i'm talking like town layout uh passageways maybe not dungeon layout like i can't do the cloister trials but i think definitely i could get the order of events and everything and all the different entryways and stuff so i like camarocho camarocho is a place that when you tell me like think of like a place that that resonates with you it's camarocho i think i could do that sure. with link to the past i know that map mm-hmm. really really well but it's pretty straightforward right and you have the it is yeah the hyrule castle in the middle and then you had the first dungeon way out in the corner and everything. So it's not, it's not that hard to draw uh, forest over on the West Kakariko village. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it for, that's all the time we have for those, for our mailbag. Thanks uh, to everybody for submitting. We had a really good time and now it's time for the penultimate summer of Gundam. Summer of Gundam, uh, the sun is nearly setting on this wonderful mecha summer. We've been having a great time. We've got one more after this. And we have a mailbag question. It's from Amy. She wants to know, so there's boys kissing Gundam. There's Vietnam War drama Gundam. There's tournament fighting anime Gundam. We might be getting a witch girl Gundam. What subgenre do you want to see set in the Gundam universe? Uh, pet simulator, please. <laughs> I don't know how, or I'd have to think on this, how it would happen, but I definitely want a Gundam pet simulator. The Gundam poops, you have to clean it up. Tamagotchi. <laughs> Is that like a Haro? You're taking care of a Haro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I want Gundam Ace Attorney. Uh, oh, that'd would, be great. <laughs> I would like it if the mechs had to go to court 
and, so and going, argue their it's case. It's like courtroom drama, like single female yes. lawyer. But right. so that's kind of like what they're doing with the MCU with She Hulk. Where, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, like there's like it's it's set in the MCU. It's like, but it's also a legal drama. Arguing about paternity rights. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. it's very important that everyone be in their Gundams. Not in yet. The, the Gundams don't argue. <laughs> that's the, what the I want. The Gundams the are not people. Argue. Except an SD oh, Gundam. I want them to be. Well, in yeah. The what if it was a sentient race of Gundams? Come on, that that'd be great. Evolved to the point. Where they were having courtroom drama. All the humans have died off. Okay, this is like Splatoon now. All the, all the humans have died <laughs> off. Uh, all that's left are the Gundams and other assorted mech, and they have gone ab- about their daily lives. And so you have cases where like Ava Unit 01 is suing Wing Gundam because Wing Gundam turned its wings on inside Ava Unit 01's bakery and and broke all the glass. And Ava Unit 01 says that Optimus Prime like zapped zapped it and turned the wings on like that's that's like what we're talking about and then we've got eight and then we have like an ace attorney gundam who has like the phoenix uh right hair spikes and has like the little badge on his gundam thing like or like right here on his chest and and he he does the objection and but when he does an objection objection laser (laughs) the objection laser (laughs) so objective and then they explode yeah or Gundam Sports. We could do Gundam Sports hey. would also be fun. I could be into that. I, all I can think right now is, look what they've done to my boy. Look how they've massacred my boy <laughs> uh, when it comes to Gundam. Um, I think that in all seriousness, a, a mystery or a, cr- a criminal procedural or that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, could make, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. make for a good story set in the, the Gundam universe as it were, because... As as dumb as Gundam can be, and I watched episode four of Gundam: The Origin, and boy, oh boy, was that not a good. I'm dreading that yeah. show. Yeah, it was real bad. Which uh, which episode was that? I, I it slips my mind. Uh, well, it's the one where Dozel meets his wife. Oh, 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 okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I, I don't like that. That's... Yeah, oh. and also <laughs> it, it was just really fragmented. You know, world building. It it. Pure fan service is what I'm saying. Mm. So, yeah. Um, but no, I find the world itself really interesting. So I would love to see more stories kind of set within it. Um, I think about the expanse a lot in that regard, which is mm. another world that could really support yeah. um, a variety of kind of uh, stories. So, yeah, my first thought, my first thought goes to like mystery or crime drama or something like that. <laughs> Law and Order Universal Century. That's, that's hey. all we need. Yeah. There That's you perfect. go. We got a title. We're good. Look, you can put a hat on the Gundam pilot and have them be driving around like a, a Zaku or something that they that they salvaged and solving crimes in it. And they put a hat on the Gundam too. And put a hat on the Zaku as well. The, the Zakus are walking along and it's like a young rookie who's idealistic. He's like, it's my first day in the job. And the guy in the other cockpit's like, listen here, kid. The city's going <laughs> to eat you up and spit you out. You got to check in. You got to check out. You got to not let the demons get to you. <laughs> his, his, his Zaku's got to have like a big cigar hanging off of it. Too. <laughs> they meet they meet another pilot who's piloting a you know goof or a dom or something. And they're like, well, it's my last day. I'm going to go and retire. Gonna go, three hours uh, to retirement. <laughs> three hours to retirement. Oh, God, it's a gun. There you go. That's the red comet. <laughs> <laughs> the one of the rules of Gundam 
is if the pilot says it's a Gundam, they're going to die. Like they're going to explode. <laughs> so that's the red shirt mark. Yep. <laughs> All right. Thanks to Amy for sending in that summer of Gundam question. And Hey, if you've been enjoying summer of Gundam, I think we are going to do a screening for everybody. Uh, we're going to watch Char's counterattack over in the discord. So you can come and join us. And I think we're shooting for, uh, August 18th, that is a Thursday, and we are going to be doing it uh, around 5, five 6 p.m. Um, look for more details over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod as we bring the Summer of Gundam to close and get ready for the Autumn of Avatar. That's what we're doing now. We're just coming up ways with ways to uh, watch different shows each season. And I'm I'm here for it, honestly. And that's pretty right. much the only TV watching I do these days. True facts. All right, Nadia, bring us home. Well, Eric's already shaking his head, so I know this is... Uh... Uh, I mean, I literally told you guys what this was about beforehand, and I think Kat, all you said was the F-word. Like, it was just the F-word, nothing else. Um, I once knew a kid who got his arm ripped off by wolves, and here's how this goes. <laughs> Wait, you knew this kid? I didn't know him, like, I met him. <laughs> you knew him? Okay. I, had to start, I, I have to start from the start on this sorry. one. I'm to sorry. be clear, I am not wolves. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's a really messed up story. <laughs> no, I was just going to tell, like... You knew that? <laughs> we thought you were just sharing a story about someone who got their arm ripped off like, by no. wolves in the chat. We were like, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> who do you think I am? Now well, he's just I... got a folder full of wolf arm stories hanging around. <laughs> I was like, well, it happened in Toronto, so I figured Nadia knew about it because she knows about everything that happens in Toronto. <laughs> well, when I was like very young, my parents used to take me to like, there's an area north of Toronto, Wasega Beach, is where a lot, a lot of people from Toronto vacation, especially when I was younger. It was like around, I think I would have been around six or seven, maybe eight. And we were sitting on the beach because we'd go there for two weeks every year. And this woman comes up to me and says like, hi, I have a little girl your age. Do you want to play? I said, yeah, because of course it was the 80s, so who cared? And uh, so I I go to where she's like leading me and it's, you know, nearby is a little girl. And sure enough, she's like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm like, hi, I'm so-and-so. Let's play together, blah, blah, blah. We're having fun building sandcastles or whatever. And then she's like, let's go out like on the, the raft, the dinghy, right? So she had like a little boat with her. So we go on there and her brother is pulling us or pushing us. And I noticed like he doesn't have an arm. He's missing an arm. And that was the first time I'd ever seen anyone missing an arm. So I was kind of fascinated with it. And he's even a cool guy. Um, like I said, it was just a little shocking. Like, oh, so that's what someone without an arm looks like. But later on, it turns out, like, my parents had been talking to this woman. And she, mom told me later, yeah, that was so-and-so's mother. Uh, he got his arm ripped off by wolves from the Toronto Zoo a couple of years ago. And, yeah, apparently his he and his friend had climbed over into the wolf cage or something like that and gotten a little too clo up close and personal. And a, a wolf took off his arm. In fact, quite recently, like I'm not going to tell you his name, but you can find him if you're that interested. But he recently sued the zoo and, and got a pretty, um, you know, a pretty good settlement out of it, or he won the case. I don't remember which one it was, but 
yeah, that was um, one of the more interesting encounters I had. And I guess that set a precedent for the rest of my life. Well, okay. Um, all right. So you actually met them, but you did not, not, you were not aware of them actually having their, their arm pulled off by wolves. Not until later. Until not my until mom later. told so me. You weren't, you weren't present for this because it did seem no, like peak I'd... Nadia to actually be present for this poor kid getting their wool arm that would be a something to see but no i did not ever i did not see that <laughs> but hey they got 11 million dollars for it so yeah i would like to state for the record that i suggested you just talk about the dude swallowing a bee during a speech <laughs> <laughs> i would i would like to say for the record that i attempted to avert this pit i attempted to steer the boat away but, from the pit but in all seriousness if you could get 11 million dollars but you had to have a wolf no. eat your arm. Would you do it? I think I'm good. Wait, no, I 11 million, good. I might. That's Canadian, though. It's 11 million dollars. Oh, no, the conversion's going to kill it. Yeah, never mind. I mean, what's, what's you, y'all's tax can, system look like? You can like? actually is retire. That, is that taxed money? I don't know if that would be taxed or not. Uh, believe it or not, I think we have less strict taxing rules than you guys do. It's like, is, I don't know if inheritance are taxed. Would they get mad if I went back later and took one of the wolves' arms and made it my own? Probably. I think that wolf's long dead. <laughs> okay, but then it's, yeah, I'm just going to take the arm then. It's it's the so, wolf's dead. They, they're not going to it. This is what I figure. If I get uh, my if I get eleven million dollars, I could just buy a new arm. It's like bionic. That's true. Arm. They do amazing things with bio- with with uh, prosthetics these days. You got a yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they'd be okay. So anyway, what a story. Thank you <laughs> to Nadia, and a great note to end. Another episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please go ahead and leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore catpot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And Eric is at Seamoosey, S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And you can support the show over on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where we have a lot of special bonus content, including this month, our deep dive into Tanami with What a Cartoon's Henry Gilbert and also the Pantheon of the Blood God with Xenogears. And we're doing the monthly game club for Trails in the Sky and Charlie and Dropouts is coming out. So much to go and listen to. And hey, you will support the podcast. Thank you so much to our stars of Destiny for listening. We'll see you over in the post show. But until then, for Nadia, Eric, and myself, thanks for listening and happy adventuring.